It's concert season, and concert season is all about the boots. Already, Oxford and Ole Miss have seen Morgan Wallen lighted up at Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Ole Miss football star and Talk of Champions podcaster Jared Ivey bemoaned how his boots were lacking. He should have gone with Tecovis, the only stop for the Ole Miss fan and the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings for the spring and summer, including timeless, always-on-trend styles in men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. Stop by your local Tecovis store and have a complimentary drink or two on the house while you shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service, and many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The sun's a-shining in Oxford, Mississippi. Cookouts in the Grove. Beer showers. It's just the very best time for an Ole Miss Rebel to get out and get going. Carry front door peace of mind with you everywhere you go with Eufy Video Lock. Never has home security been so easy. Eufy Video Lock, an all-in-one security device for your front door, allows you to keep an eye on everything back home. And it's so easy. Installation requires only a screwdriver. So ditch those house keys forever and give Eufy Video Lock a try today. There's no monthly fee, and Eufy Video Lock has customer support on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. Go ahead, have your home as fun in the sun with the assurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock's built-in camera can tell you who's at your front door from the comfort of your poolside chair. So search Eufy Video Lock today. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of this, the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. This is the best of talk of champions brought to you by Modern Woodman. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. On with me now, joining me on the Modern Woodman phone line, former Ole Miss baseball great Chris Coglin, World Series champion Chris Coglin. Cogs, what's up, man? Hey, man. Glad to be on. Thanks for having me, Ben. Tell me what's been going on with you lately. Man, trying to figure out life. <laughs> I'm, uh, I've retired from baseball last year, and I feel like a college kid just coming out, trying to figure out this life and what the business world looks like. You spoke to the team recently, Ole Miss, of course. What was the message to them? Man, I, it's just a, a passion of mine, and I feel um, so glued to, to, as an Ole Miss Rebel that there were so many things uh, I wanted to impart, you know, that I wish that I could have heard maybe when I was that age or in their seat. But, you know, my thing, main thing was to them is don't be afraid to take that next step to greatness. What greatness really looks like, you know, greatness to me um, is achieving, um, you know, what the, the best of your ability for what you've been given. All of us have different abilities and talents. So um, greatness isn't, you know, what I told them isn't throwing 95 or running a six, five, 60 or hitting the ball a mile and getting drafted. That's not greatness to me. Um, You know, greatness to me is like squeezing every ounce of juice out um, of, of an orange or lemon, if you will. Um, 
that you have. And so each one of them have different talents. So, you know, my, my challenge with them is to take the next step. Um, and in order to achieve greatness, it's done on many shoulders, not one. Um, and, you know, there's been zero national championships, um, college world series championships and, um, Ole Miss's programs history. And I was like, man, that's awesome. That's not like a negative. That's awesome. You guys have the opportunity in 2020 to be the first team ever in the program history to win a national championship. That's so much cooler than having a banner or being an all American or winning whatever other award. And, you know, from somebody who's, who's been fortunate enough to win a championship, um, there's nothing sweeter in team sports than being the last team standing. You accomplished so much in your Ole Miss career, but you didn't get that national championship. You came close. How much does that eat at you? It does all the time. I mean, you never, it never leaves you. You know, I was just talking to my um, college roommate not that long ago. And, you know, when I had coming back, because it made me think of so many wonderful memories being back. Um, and I was just, so I felt compelled to call him and, you know, just tell him I love him and all the great memories. And as we were reminiscing, you just, another thing I share with him, that there's nothing worse than wasted talent. And, you know, in my life, you see wasted talent everywhere and it's a shame. Um, and so, y- you know, when I look back on my three years there, you know, I'm like, man, I should have been a better leader. You know, um, I should have not worried so much about elevating my game as much as I should have worried about elevating others game. And if I could have done that and had that selfless mindset, um, I think we would have been able to accomplish even better things, you know? And so that's one of my, I don't regret because I didn't have the equipment back then to do it. You know, if somebody would have challenged me or shown me how to do it, then, then if I didn't do it, that's a regret but I didn't have the equipment at the time to do it. So I don't regret it. It's just one of those things I wish I would have been able to do, um, you know, instead of just elevating my game and being a better athlete and being a better performer and getting drafted in the first round and all everything else, you know, I think back and I'm like, man, we should have been in the college world series. And not only should we have not have been in the world series, we should have won it. And I'm not as scared to say that. Oh, you look across the diamond. Cogs, that's one of the most talented teams Ole Miss ever had. Yeah, and it just shows you uh, anybody who's ever played in team sports that talent doesn't win championships. You know, it's one of those things that, you know, there there's many reasons why you win a championship. Things got to fall your way, absolutely. But anybody who does anything great, anyone who wins a World Series, anybody who wins a college World Series, anybody who wins a national championship, right? Um, it's the same thing. It doesn't matter what sex. It doesn't matter what sport. Everybody has the same common denominator is there were a brand, a, a band of brothers or sisters that pulled from the same rope and had each other's backs. That's the number one thing you'll hear every time. Hey, why is this team different? How did you accomplish it? We faced adversity. We stared at it right in the face and all we did instead of running or running at it with a bunch of individuals, we ran at it together and we solved the problem and we grew from it and we accomplished something great. And so that's, that's the difference. And, and I, I don't fault anyone else, but myself, I should have, I should have done more. And that's what I wanted to encourage the team is man. Don't, don't wish you could have done more, do more, you know, and then be at peace, whatever the results may happen. I watched some of this speech and look, 
I am an unabashed Atlanta Braves fan, and you absolutely terrorized mm-hmm. my favorite team in the world constantly. <laughs> but you mentioned that your greatest accomplishment was the battle back to the Chicago Cubs, getting your way, forcing your way into that lineup and winning a World Series. What about that journey was so special for you? The trial, man, the adversity. Uh, anybody who's done anything great at life, right? It doesn't matter what, if it's a sport or anything, you know, if it's Abraham Lincoln, if it's Martin Luther King Jr., if it's Christopher Columbus, if it's, you know, I'm just off the top of my head, right? There's so many great, Albert Einstein, so many people, right, that impacted our culture or our world. There was adversity. Listen to every one of their stories. So, you know, one of the things is like the difference why I was so proud was because adversity in a trial is a prerequisite to greatness. And when you're able to adopt that mindset um, and, and you look at adversity totally different than like, woe is me? Why is this in my way? I hate this. This causes me pain. You know, instead you look at it like as an opportunity, like an opportunity to grow, an opportunity to get better at whatever you're doing and accomplish something on the other side that it was, it was just like, all it was, was like fuel, man, is is it helped you, you needed it to grow. And so that's when I look back, I'm like, man, that 14 year, there was so much adversity, more than I can, you know, share in this conference call, um, you know, you just, there was so much in there that it was, it was so much sweeter when I got to the other side, the reward from a personal satisfaction and gratification was so much sweeter than man, when I was younger and just balling and doing things, you know, just doing them. I've got a selfish question. Why was your success against the Braves so prevalent? What the heck did they do that allowed you to just beat the crap out of them constantly? Tell me the secret. I love the Braves. Um, I always had a little bit extra motivation because I love the stadium. I love the history. You know, I, just like most, I grew up watching the Cubs and, you know, the Braves on TV once they moved down to Florida. Another reason why is because, man, they just had bulldog pitchers. You know, I enjoyed facing Tim Hudson and I enjoyed facing Derek Lowe and I enjoyed them. I mean, I remember Tommy Hansen, you know, he passed away. He was legit for them or Chris Medlin. You know, all these guys, I just... I, I relish the fact that I got to, you know, if I didn't bring my A game, they were going to eat my lunch that day. And so it was, it was an easy choice. You know, I either go up there and, you know, um, step on their throat and, and compete, or I'm going to get my lunch eaten and I'm going to lose my job. <laughs> well, from someone who grew up watching you play at Ole Miss to then going and beating my favorite team, you hurt Ben Garrett's feelings a lot, Chris. <laughs> hey, they, they won more games than we did when I was in Miami, so yeah. they still made out. <laughs> yeah, it made out, but you still won Rookie of the Year. You went on to win the World Series. Those are some of the greatest moments in your baseball career, but back to Ole Miss, when you look back at the career, what was your favorite moment? Mm, that's such a good question. Um, I had so many wonderful memories when I was there. I, I would probably say when we won the SEC Championship, you know, uh, that, that was just, that was so much fun playing them. We had to, that was the year. If I could look back, I think that was Oh five. If I could remember, it's been a long time, Yeah. but it, um, you know, we had to beat Florida. We, we, we lost to, to, I think we lost to Florida that year. 
Um, you know, we lost to somebody in the, in the, in the tournament, but we had to beat Florida the next two games. And so Florida played in the national championship against Texas, who we ironically lost to two out of three and in the super regional. So we beat Florida that year, four out of six times, you know, we beat them two out of three in, in Gainesville, if I'm remembering correctly. And then we beat them two out of three in the sec tournament. So that's right. They did beat us the first game. And so we had to come back, beat them. And then I think we ended up beating Vanderbilt um, in the sec championship. So again, just the adversity we lost early to play that many games, battle back. It's tough, man. All those teams are good. You got to have so much depth. You got to use your whole team, your whole bullpen, your whole staff, um, you know, and, and I think that's probably why I tell you, you know, we should have done better because you look at yeah, super regional Ben, and we lost that super regional in Texas after winning the first game and they won the national championship. And my buddy who I played with, uh, T garden in Chicago, he told me years later, he's like, man, I remember when Augie Garrido told us and we beat you guys beat us that Friday night. He said, if you beat this team, you will win the national championship. This is the best team you will play all year. And they beat us the next two times. I'm like, I, I was like, I don't even know if I feel better or more worse after you told me that. I feel worse because I was out in the outfield in 2005 when Stephen Head struck out against Jay Brent Cox to end that series. Texas goes and absolutely demolishes Omaha in the College World Series. And ever since 2005, it's 14 years later, and now I've gone from being at Ole Miss to covering Ole Miss for a living, and I still contend to this day that the two best teams in college baseball played that weekend, and the World Series was won in Oxford, Mississippi. Well, I say it too. I mean, you think about Augie Garrido, I think he's passed too. But, you know, what a legend, right? And then – that team was really good too, but we were more talented than they were. Um, but they, they were able to execute, you know, um, you know, they were bunning, right. They played a different style baseball than us. That was the other thing. Like every time they reached base, they bunted the next guy. You think about that game three. I still remember that 14 years later, that game three, I think they went like four for five or five for six. So I think we lost six, four or something. Yep. They went four for five or five for six on. So picture this they had to they had to lead the inning off get on base and then they bunted them over and then they had to get a hit before they got two outs that is extremely difficult they did that four out of five times or five out of six times I think they hit one homer and then they manufactured four more runs or five more runs like the odds of that like that's why baseball is so tough right like the odds of that happening like you couldn't do that like that that's the time that it happened unfortunately it happened against us um but I do agree with you. It, 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 I do think it was one there. I am biased. They didn't lose another game. You know, if you recall, they didn't lose another game in the College World Series. The last game they lost was against us. And see, that eats me up. I'm a hardcore analytic saber guy, and I hate bunting. And they came to Oxford in that backwards, Augie approach of bunting guys over. It worked. It somehow worked. It only worked. In Oxford, Mississippi, you let off the ninth or two outs in the ninth. You get a walk. Petway gets a single. Stephen heads up. The go ahead runs on base. You know Stephen Head's going to come through. I'm telling you, the atmosphere in that stadium when Stephen Head struck out is just completely deflating because everyone knew that was probably, and I'm biased too, but that was probably the best Ole Miss baseball team ever. Yeah, the good thing is this 2020's happened still hasn't happened. So my hope is go. that they become the best team ever. 
See, you're so positive now. You know you could be a motivational speaker, Chris. <laughs> well, I don't know. I hope I can impact more than just motivating people. I do think inspiring people is one thing, but creating change is a whole different animal. But um, I am blessed for the career that I had and the adversity I got to face and then the rewards of, of greatness that I got to experience. You know, I do think um, it's helpful to to be able to share that story. It's not just my story. So, you know, I enjoy sharing it. Because I came and visited you when um, the Iowa Cubs visited the Redbirds. And walking yeah. into the locker room, you were there playing, I think, cards with some of your teammates. Here's the vet who'd won a World Series just trying to make it back to the pros. It was, I think, one of the last years of your career. And it shows the work that's put in. I don't think fans quite understand what it's like there in the minors, adversity you face there just to try to get back to that point. Yeah, no, I mean, I think nobody wants to be in a hopeless situation. That's always the, the most difficult. Um, I, I When I look back on it, I mean, I was tore my shoulder up in 17. I came back and, um, you know, and I was playing and I knew my chances were really bleak. Um, the team was really good. Even Theo Epstein was like, hey, man, we don't really have a spot for you. Um, but, you know, you can you can rehab you know, um, and you can see what happens, but I just, I just want to shoot you straight. And I, I was like, you know, listen, you've one, you've told me that before <laughs> he <laughs> laughed. And then two, I said, you know, I just, I want to, I want to give it one more shot. You know, I tore my shoulder. I'd hate to go out like that. Um, I'd like to give it one more shot and out of respect, he gave me a shot, you know? Um, and so it was great. And it was, it was painful. It was humbling. Like, I mean, absolutely. You know, two years ago, you're starting game one of a world series and you look up later and you have a shoulder surgery and you're like in, you know, Memphis playing the Redbirds with a bunch of 20 year olds and 19 year olds. And you're, you're 33, 34 years old going, wow, this is crazy. I didn't see this day coming. It came fast. Um, so, but it was, it was all, it was sweet. It was sweet. It was a sweet last year. Um, and I, I wouldn't have it any other way because it was a great um, way for me to ride out and realize I gave the game all I had. I honored my craft, honored the Lord, and I honored my family. And, you know, I'm going out in AAA. No better way to do it. All right, here's my deal. Ole Miss Chris Coglin would have no problem answering this question honestly. This Chris Coglin, humble, thankful, blessed, I might not get exactly what the truth is, but you got to answer it honestly. That left side of the infield with you and Cozart, it doesn't get any better than that. That's the best that there ever was. Man, I'm honored uh, that that your opinion, you share uh, that opinion. I don't know. I don't know if. Um, no, I'm serious, man. I'm, I'm I'm answering. I don't know everyone who is before us, so I'd want to honor them. I just know that I hope there's somebody a left side that's better than we were uh, at some point in the future. I genuinely hope that I have no uh, ego to try to hold that down because that would be awesome for the program. If they had two guys that were better than we were on the left side, nothing got by y'all. <laughs> uh, ask coach Mac. He would remind you how many airs I made. <laughs> and I'll look back and go, gosh, Lee, he would chew me out, man. Um, but yeah, it was, it was great. And we pushed each other. I mean, that's, what's cool about competition. There's, there's nothing better than when you, when you're a competitor at the core, you know, you look over and you're just like, I want to be the best version of myself. And, and, and I never saw a guy 
in college pick it like he could as short. And even in the big leagues, like people underestimate him. He could borderline win some gold gloves. You're talking about the best in the world now, not just college, not just the SEC. You're talking about the best on the planet. And he's like up there with a handful of them, in my opinion. Um, you know, he's lost his range now, but man, when he was there at short in Cincinnati, we played him all the time. I'm like, bro, the guy can flat out pick it. Don't hit it to him. You're out. You know? Uh, so he always inspired me because I was like, man, I want to be better. I want, I want to be just as good as he is when it comes to the defense. And, you know, hopefully I was able to do the same thing for him. I've always said that the only other shortstop that's even gotten into the conversation, it's never going to be better, but gotten into the conversation with Cozart was Greg Kessinger. Now he's a second-round pick of the Astros. He's going about and embarking on his Major League Baseball career. What advice would you have for a guy like that that are now going to go through what you went through and trying to get to the majors and the journey and the tough road ahead for them that they're going to face? Man, don't lose your bite. Um, There's many things I'd I'd share. I'd say, hey, sell out, man. You only got one shot at this. So put everything you got into it, sacrifice, you know, um, as much as you need to sacrifice in order to reach your God-given talent. Um, And so for me, it's remember you're competing against the world. You're not competing against college. You're not competing against your peers. You know, you're competing against the world. And there's always somebody coming to take your job, you know, so you better take nothing for granted. You got to be a one-man business too, don't you? Yeah, we, I used to say this, um, I used to tell guys, well, I still do sometimes, but I have to get to know them so they understand my context, but you're the CEO of a one man company. Um, and it's the truth. And so, you know, in the game of baseball, it's so cutthroat, it's a business. And I used to hear that as a kid, I remember watching on TV and be like, he's so greedy, mom, you know, why is he talking about that? that's what MLB wants you to think because they own all the media, you know, so they get to control the picture that they want to have. But the reality is, is it is a business and they will release you and cut you no matter if they, if they want to. So if you don't fight for your career, nobody will. And so I, you know, I saw it because you see all of the political mess behind the scenes that fans don't get to see. Um, And when you live and you breathe it, and you're like, man, this thing's ugly and sticky and yucky, um, you know, because there's just too much money on the line. And anytime there's money on the line, you know, you get some ugly stuff that comes uh, out from that. But I, I just, I look back and I'm just like, man, I'm just grateful for the time that I had. Two more and I'll let you go. First off, when you lift that World Series trophy, for those of us who will never, ever experience something like that, describe that feeling, what it was like. Mm, great question. Um, they made us wait 30 minutes for the TV to come in the room. What? So it really, it really like sucked the energy and the excitement out. Yeah. So you win, you go up, you party, right? It's raining. Everybody, you go up there. And I think Fox, I can't remember. Kevin was doing the game. And so he comes in there, the commissioner comes in there, the owner's in there, they set up the stage and you're like, bro, I'm ready to pop some bottles. Like get the heck out of here. Like I'm, when are we going to pop some bottles? And it probably was 35 minutes before they did the interview. So all the TV and you're just sitting there waiting for your goggles and you're freezing, you're soaking wet and you just want to pop some bottles and celebrate and kick everybody out um, and just celebrate with the boys. 
So when we finally touched the World Series, I was like, I got to kiss this thing. That's what I always see people do on TV. Um, and it was neat, but it was more, I don't mean to sound cliche. It was just more the emotion, man. It was like, you can have the trophy. <laughs> like, I just, I just got the memory with my boys, you know, all, all 25 of us that nobody can take away. Um, so I know that kind of misses your, your question a little bit, but it, it was really cool to host the trophy. It was really cool the first time to ever to see it in person and touch it. I got to kiss it. I got to touch it. I got to take a picture with it. All of that was awesome. I took a picture with my wife and my son at like four in the morning, right? You know, we still hadn't even left the stadium and that was great, but it was really just that memory of popping bottles, celebrate and sitting down or soaking wet clothes and just laughing and talking about what we were just able to accomplish, pinching ourselves. Well, to end this on a light note, Hunter Madry at GH Madry on Twitter. He heard you were coming on the podcast and he wanted me to ask you, if he sees you, will you sign his Greensboro Grasshoppers Chris Coglin jersey? <laughs> I will definitely do that. Boom. Please, come find me. I'll, I'll sign it for you. There you go, Huntington. Just hit up Cox. He'll sign that Greensboro Grasshoppers jersey for you. There it goes. He's one of the best Ole Miss baseball players ever. The best to you, man. Thank you so much for doing this. We'll talk again. Yeah, Ben. You're the man. Go Rebs. Howdy toddy. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives, securing futures. The Modern Woodman phone line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel sports. Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. On with me now, joining us on the Modern Woodman phone line is Aaron Barrett, former Ole Miss pitcher, now World Series champion. Has that gotten old yet, Aaron? World Series champion. It's uh, got a good ring to it, doesn't it? Yeah, of course. You played for the Nationals, pitched for the Nationals that won the World Series. I've been a Braves fan my entire life. It's a little weird for me, Aaron. A little strange. <laughs> yeah, it's also a little weird for me. I live in Atlanta in the offseason, so uh, I've definitely gotten familiar uh, with, with Braves country. So, um, a little weird for sure. What was the parade like? The parade was, uh, hands down, probably, probably one of the coolest, uh, experiences that I've ever, um, gotten to do. I mean, I had, uh, one of our hitting coaches, uh, won the world series with the Yankees and he kind of gave us a warning that the parade would, would hands down if, if uh, winning the world series hadn't hit you by then, 
the parade would would definitely uh, would definitely hit you. And just having the amount of support um, from the fans and just feeling kind of that love and it was just so cool. Just uh, seeing over a million fans, um, you know, getting full beer cans chucked at you. It, it was it was definitely one of the coolest things I've ever been a part of. Did you do the Stone Cold Steve Austin slamming two beers together and shotgunning? I didn't do the Stone Cold, but I definitely can tell you that I probably caught, I don't know, upwards of 10, probably 10, uh, 10 to 12 beers. And every time I caught one, I, I shotgunned it. So that was definitely a thing on, on, our, on our party bus. <laughs> How drunk were you by the time you got off the float? I was definitely feeling it. There were a couple of airplane bottles thrown at me, too. So uh, I had to throw those in there, too, and those were terrible. Did you go to the White House? We sure did, um, and I definitely uh, took full advantage of that. That was, uh, you know, we went to uh, – we did the parade, and the next day was the White House, and that was unbelievable. That was, uh, you know, I had to pinch myself because it's something, one of those things where – you know, you're in the White House, and, you know, I've seen so many TV shows, House of Cards and Scandal, and just, you finally, you're in there, and, and you, you're you in the Oval, and you're like, you, you know, you only see this on TV shows or, you know, on the news, and that was cool, and uh, I got to shake hands with, with President Trump and uh, got a picture with him. That was that was super cool. I'm not going to lie. How small were his hands? Uh, I would say they're average, um, oh. but he's, he's a big guy. Yeah, he's a big guy. I'm not going to lie. Uh, he's He's got some broad shoulders on him, and he was cracking us up. I mean, he is he is hilarious, uh, but he, he's uh, he's probably he's probably 6'1", maybe 6'2", uh, but super broad shoulders on him, and uh, it was it was an honor to, to be able to meet him and, and, and be in the White House and just uh, pretty, pretty neat. For you, the experience this year, second to none, one of the best stories in baseball. Um, your first game back was against the Braves. Y'all lost. For me, that was good, but it was nice to see a former Ole Miss Rebel have the moment that you got. What was that general feeling like? Describe it in the moment as you're trying to process the journey from what you'd gone through to get into that moment, that clean inning. Yeah, it's, it's just been, um, I think I haven't even had time to even digest the kind of the season that we've that I've had um you know we've been on the go ever since we won the world series um and it's just been pretty surreal you know just uh the finally to make it back you know for this year to be my comeback season and ultimately we win the world series I mean what a ride and it just kind of kind of shows you um you know just you put the work in um I mean, it's been an absolute grind, you know, these last four years. And, uh, the, you know, to finally make it back, just that, that, that game in Atlanta, you know, obviously, um, you know, we live, my wife and I and my daughter, we live in Atlanta now. So just the, you know, for the, the plan uh, the happen the way it did with the, my comeback game that happened the way it did, you know, all my family got to be here. We got to celebrate at my house just, it's one of those things that you know I'm running in from the mound. And I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to focus, you know, on the on the task at hand because you know we're still in a playoff hunt at the time and it's a two-one game. 
and I'm just trying to, you know, do my job. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, dude, you're you're back. Like you're you're about to pitch in the big leagues for the first time in four years. And I walked the first guy I faced on four pitches. I don't even remember throwing a ball. I was so black out as far as the adrenaline and just so much stuff going on in my mind. I walked the first guy on four pitches. I just remember thinking to myself, hey, this ain't it. This is how you, uh, how you draw it up. Uh, you know, because you, you envision this moment for so long. You know, you dream about it. And, you know, you picture yourself, you know, striking out the side, and, you know, uh, on three batters in your comeback. But so I walked the first guy. I'm like, golly, you know, we got to really uh, buckle down here. And then I get to face Tehran, the pitcher, which helped me out a lot. Uh, you know, just being able to, to just throw strikes in there. And he's trying to bunt the ball. I get him out. And then once I got that first out, it's just kind of like, okay. You know, at the time, I, I really didn't even uh, – I wasn't thinking about who I was facing. I was just trying to throw strikes, honestly. Um, and then I got Albies out on a changeup. And I think after the inning was over, it just it just hit me. You know, it just – I started getting hugs and high fives. And, you know, just you just kind of um, – just waves, waves of emotion um, that I can't even describe to you. You know, thinking about the four years, all the – the hell and, and torture and um, just every single day uh, how just awful um, it was rehabbing. And I just, ne- there were days where I never thought I'd make it back. And, you know, how much love and support I've had for my family. And it just all kind of combined and it just hit me all at once. And I just, I, I couldn't help it, but they just start, start crying. And it makes me, you know, uh, think about it right now and just, it's just such a, a cool moment. It's a moment I'll never forget. Okay, I've got to ask this because I'm a huge Braves mark. What was the sequence to get him out? Because I feel like the book is out now for Ronnie. If you're going to get him out, you can't feed him fastballs unless it's high velocity inside. You have to go away, and you located away. You got him chasing, and now he's on the defensive, and he's swinging. Is that how you started it? Was Kurt Suzuki catching? Uh, Jan Gomes was. Okay. And so, like, the first pitch, we went we went up and in for a strike, established high and tight. And then my next pitch, uh, we knew, since we had the count all in one, we knew he was going to swing. So, I threw him a sinker, um, and it, you know, it had enough plate to start, and it ended up, you know, uh, low, and he ended up swinging and missing. So, now, at that point, um, I have both two. I kind of can do what I want. I can either, A, elevate. Uh, elevate again or B he hasn't even seen my slider yet so it was one of those where you know I'm trying to not bury it but I definitely want to go low and outside and it was one of those pitches where either way uh, it caught the outside corner of the plate um, but it wasn't going to be a pitch where he can get you know can't do damage on it and fortunately it caught the corner of the plate and you know it was strike three so it was a pretty good sequence you just made me look so smart. I just nailed that scouting report on Ronald Acuna, my favorite player in baseball. Boom. It's that easy, you know? It's that simple. <laughs> Who would have thunk it? Okay, so what all did you deal with? I know you had um, the Tommy John, but there was other stuff too. What all was in that elbow that caused you to be on the shelf for four years? So as I was coming back from Tommy John surgery, which not saying that Tommy John surgery was uh, – 
easy by any means, but um, my Tommy John surgery compared to my second surgery, the rehab was a cakewalk. Um, you know, uh, as I was one week away from going on my major league rehab assignment, uh, one pitch, I shattered my humerus bone in half. And that's the, uh, that, that's a big bone in your arm from your shoulder to your elbow. And it was one of those things where it was hands down the most excruciating, uh, thing that I, pain wise that I've ever, that was my first ever broken bone. Um, and you know, still to this day, we still don't have a how or why it happened. They're literally labeling, labeling it as uh, one of the biggest freak injuries, um, you know, in sports. And when we first uh, sent the x-ray off to Dr. Andrews, uh, he called and said, you know, is he okay? Did he get in a car accident? And so just what I did to my arm, especially throwing a baseball, it just doesn't happen. It's not supposed to happen. And unfortunately it happened to me. Um, so after five hours of surgery, it was only supposed to take two and a half after five hours of surgery, uh, it ended up, you know, they put two plates and 16 screws in my arm. And, uh, there was a lot, a lot of, uh, questions on if I'd ever throw a baseball again, let alone have a uh, full range of motion or be able to be a fun- functioning human being again. Uh, to be where I'm at today, there's there's no doubt. Um, you know, Dr. Andrews and his team, they performed a miracle on me. Um, and obviously, I've been super blessed. And uh, God has definitely um, been on my side. And I wouldn't be uh, here without him, there's no doubt. So it's just been a crazy ride. Uh, and I'm just forever, forever thankful for it. Was there ever a time in the process that you thought this isn't happening, it's over? 100%. I mean, um, there, I had a lot of dark days. There were, there were definitely times where, um, you know, my wife was pregnant at the time and it was, we were rehabbing just to, Hey, I want to be able to hold my daughter. Um, you know, throwing a baseball wasn't even on my mind. It wasn't, you know, everyone, uh, said that, you know, the, the odds of you throwing a ball again are, are slim to none. Um, and, you know, did Dr. Andrews, every time I talked to him, um, even when I just started playing catch for the first time, he told me I was a miracle. And as we continued all along this rehab process, I pitched my first game and, you know, we kept in contact and, um, he just, he literally calls me a miracle and I couldn't agree with him. Um, there were a lot of dark days and, and, uh, there were definitely a lot of doubts, no doubt about that. Okay. Looking at the Ole Miss career. The first year was a struggle. The second year, dominance. What was the difference from year one to year two to get you to that place to where you become the high draft pick for the Washington Nationals? What clicked for you? Was it adding something um, to your pitching arsenal, or was it confidence? I mean, there's so much that can go into a pitcher having success. What was the thing that took you over the top at Ole Miss? I honestly think it it was confidence. I think – you know, I, I pitched in junior college, and and, uh, and I was, you know, um, I was one of the, the the one of the bigger time prospects coming out of JUCO, and you know, I was supposed to anchor the Ole Miss, uh, you know, rotation. And um, Pomeranz at the time, you couldn't start on Friday, so I got I was a Friday guy for the first five outings, five my first five starts as a Friday guy. So um, 
and that put a lot of pressure on me and I felt like, you know, and I turned down a lot of money. I got drafted. I was supposed to go in the top five rounds out of JUCO and I was asking for a lot of money because of my commitments all miss. Um, and I just, I felt that, you know, um, you know, maybe it was part of, part of, Hey, you need to pitch well in the SEC so you can get drafted high or B now you're a Friday guy. You need to, you know, show that you're the number one. And, um, you know, I, I just struggled. Uh, I think uh, there were a lot of, I got a lot of bad breaks early too. You know, I pitched in, I pitched in the, uh, I'll never forget this. We pitched in a TCU game, pitched against TCU. We ended up only playing one game that series because we had this ridiculous, uh, cold front come in and we had like, I'm not kidding you, like 35 mile an hour wind. And I was giving up pop-ups to left that were landing in right center. I'm not kidding. It was a joke. I think the, the final score was like a football score. It was like 26 to 14. I remember that game. I'll never forget that game. And so, like, a game like that, which is like an absolute joke, and they end up canceling both Saturday and Sunday, you know, that that game is, uh, you know, really screws my stats over. Um, but – Ultimately, I think it, it taught me a few things because, one, I had never faced adversity like that before, um, and I ended up going in the bullpen roll, and I bullpen roll, and I ended up, I had two choices. I can either, A, uh, you know, sit at the end of the dugout and sulk, or, or, B, I can find a way to, to get back in the games and uh, pitch out of the bullpen and be a good teammate. And that team, we ended up winning the SEC championship, and we had such good camaraderie and, uh, you know, we were four outs away from going to Omaha. And, I, and you know, we really thought that team was going to do it. Um, but I just learned a lot about myself. And, then, you know, going into my senior year, I didn't have, um, you know, I was like, hey, this is my, this is my senior year. I'm going to go for it. And I just felt super loose and I was just going to be me. So I, just, I felt like uh, that junior year, I, I really learned a lot. Coming out of JUCO, did any team come close to your high number to make you think about not going to Ole Miss? Yeah, I, I turned down I turned down two hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars from the Minnesota Trends. I was betting on myself out to value my education. Um, you know, I, in my opinion, I wasn't ready, and I don't think that I would have would be the person or the player I am today if I signed out of junior college. I I learned that, like I said, I went through some adversity. I learned a lot about myself. Um, and I also, you know, a lot, a lot of positives happened for me. Um, I got to get my degree at, at University of Mississippi, which I'm super happy that I did it. Uh, being able to, you know, finish my college degree is only a handful of guys that in the big leagues that have it. And then two, um, I ultimately met my wife at Ole Miss. Um, you know, she played soccer there, and so it really worked out for me. You know, I didn't get the signing bonus that, uh, you know. Um, you know, come as a junior, as a senior at Ole Miss, but at the same time, you know, sign bonus and everything. The ultimate goal is to make it to the big leagues, and that's where the money really is, not the signing bonus. So I, I knew that and understood that, and it really worked out for me. Favorite Ole Miss memory is what? Favorite Ole Miss memory? Oh man, um, I had a lot of good memories at Ole Miss. I would say probably winning the SEC championship. Um, you know, we we had the, we were going into Arkansas down three games. We had to win all three games, and somebody else had to beat somebody. And being able to dogpile uh, or celebrate at Arkansas, that was really cool. But we, I, you know, we still 
we stay in touch with a lot of those guys from from 2009-2010 teams, and um, there are a lot. There's too many good memories to, to be able to single out just one. What advice would you have for Gray Kessinger, Thomas Dillard, Will Etheridge, all of those guys now going through the minor leagues? What was your experience like, and what would you tell them as they start their journeys trying to get to the bigs? I think one of the one of the big things is you go from you know being a guy in college to okay, now I'm in pro ball. These guys are just as good as I am, or if not better. Uh, just to believe in yourself and 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 trust trust in in the talents and the the person and the belief that got you there and um you know don't don't waver from that um in my experiences i definitely uh was trying to compare myself early on in my in my in my minor league uh uh seasons i was definitely trying to be more of what i was instead of uh, you know if a guy threw 97 you know well I don't throw 97, you know, be who I am, you know, definitely um, be yourself and, and maximize the potential and the talent that you have. Don't try to be uh, someone you're not, if that makes sense. You hear the horror stories about the minor leagues, right? About the buses and the travel and all this kind of stuff. Is it really that bad? It depends on where you are. Um, There's a lot, so many minor league stories. Um, you know, last year was super tough for me. Um, I was 30 years old and I was in short season and that's, that's the lowest of the low. I mean, rookie ball, there's rookie ball and then short season. And it was tough. It was a grind. I mean, you definitely, definitely when you, when you have a taste of big leagues and that big league lifestyle and obviously the big league check to be able to humble, humble yourself. And, um, you know, the food, um, the food is probably the biggest, uh, and the hotels, the hotels are tough. I mean, we stayed, we, we, we went to one place last year and we literally, we, we showed up and we had to immediately leave. That's how bad the hotel was. I mean, guys had blood on their sheets. I mean, that's, that's how bad it was. Oh my God. Um, yeah, it, it, it can be bad. There are definitely some places that, that are tough. Um, but I ultimately, I, I really think that, you know, if everything's, you know, especially from the SEC, I mean, you're staying in nice hotels, and then all of a sudden you go pro ball, you're like, pro ball is going to be great, and you're staying in, I mean, you're staying in some bad spots. Um, you know, and, and fortunately enough, the, the Nationals, we have host families, so, uh, you know, some of these guys, they got to pay out of pocket to get a you know an apartment and, and bunk up with six guys. I mean, my first experience in pro ball, I had to live with seven other dudes in a two-bedroom place on air mattress. Some guys were Got, some guys were sleeping on pole rafts. I mean, it, it was bad. Um, but I think ultimately when you make it to the big leagues, it's those stories like, you know what, I grinded, you know, and it makes it that much more special when you finally make it. The Players Association, Major League Baseball, are working, I think, in conjunction or at least having conversations because God knows it's a little acrimonious right now between the two sides. But they're working on – better conditions for the minor leagues to overhaul not only pay, but just the conditions of hotel and travel and food. It would seem like then from you being in that experience as a former player in the minor leagues, that you'd be on board with them kind of overhauling how players are treated down there. 100%. I'm, I definitely think um, guys should be treated better. I think uh, hotels and, and, you know, ultimately you got to look at it as a business standpoint, you know, these guys, 
you're trying to groom these guys, get to the get to the major leagues, that will ultimately help you win um, win at the big leagues and win championships. So as far as a recovery standpoint, travel standpoint, nutrition standpoint, these these things are um, are are super important. You know, my first year in the minor leagues, I was eating leftover third inning hot dogs, pizza, and cheeseburgers post game. And now very fortunate enough, the nationals have a nutrition budget where we're able to actually have some good food post game, pregame. And, um, you know, these are definitely things to think about moving forward. Um, do I think that the players should be, you know, uh, have these, these big increases in pay. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know as far as what they're going to do with that. I do think that guys, I mean, they need to be paid more so they can, you know, some of these guys have families to support. Uh, there's no doubt in that. Um, but at the same time, I also feel like the grind of the minor leagues helped me ultimately be a better person and player. Cause I work my butt off to make it to the big leagues. And if you start paying guys a lot more money, then it kind of takes some of the drive, in my opinion. I, I, I could be wrong. But you, if you know what I mean, um, some of that drive uh, to make it to the big leagues, you know, you, you can get comfortable as far as if everything's, you know, because part of the minor leagues, you know, you, it makes you you want to get out of the minor leagues. That's how bad it is. You know, you want to really – you want to make it to the big leagues. I mean, that's the best of the best. That's why you, you work your butt off to get out of there. Um, so – I do think that ultimately a lot of things need to get better, but um, we'll see what happens. Swayze Field, Duty Noble, it's different as college baseball in Mississippi. How comparable are those stadiums, those playing environments to AA and AAA? Being on play in the SEC, uh, definitely uh, prep myself uh, as far as being able to pitch in front of large crowds and um, – it's definitely comparable to some double-A, triple-A stadiums and fans. Um, you know, like this year I got to pitch in a double-A all-star game, and that was a lot of fun. It definitely reminded me of, of a Friday night um, in Swayze or, or something like that, no doubt. You recently talked to the team. What was the message? The message was to, to, to be yourself. Um, you know, I know they have a lot of freshmen uh, this year, and – I just kind of told them that it doesn't matter, you know, if you're a freshman or a sophomore or a senior, um, you know, be you, be a leader. Um, you know, I remember when I was there that, you know, you don't have to be a senior to be a leader. Um, it, it, it's ultimately your clubhouse. And we just kind of talked about, you know, the run, uh, obviously my story and the run that the nationals went on, you know, ultimately it's, it's, it's your guys clubhouse and you control uh, control that clubhouse and, and run the team the way you guys want it inside. And um, I tell them that it's a big part of being able to win baseball games, and um, I hope that nothing but success, and I hope they have a lot of fun this year. He's former Ole Miss pitcher, World Series champion Aaron Barrett. Nothing but love for you, man. Congrats on the success for the comeback story. Best of luck moving forward, except against the Braves. <laughs> I appreciate it, and uh, hotty toddy. <laughs>